welcome to Your Place in Space. I am Michael Bloxton, CEO and founder of Nebula Space Enterprise. And today we have a very, very special guest. I am so honored to have uh, the one of my favorite authors. Uh, I would call it, it's, it's hard science fiction space, right? It's where that, that science fiction is real, right? That's yeah, I've, I've, taken, I've taken to calling it space tech to some degree, but I write high tech thrillers, space tech thrillers, because uh, yeah. you know, science fiction, there's, there's science and tech all around us now. So it's almost just fiction, but sci-fi, exactly. Yeah, the author, Daniel Suarez, everybody. Um, Dan, I got, I got to read your, uh, you have so many accolades. I actually have to read this one. There's no way I was going to memorize this. Oh, uh, so, so Daniel Suarez is a New York Times bestselling author, TED Global speaker, and former systems analyst whose unique brand of high-tech fiction explores the causes and impacts of rapid technological change. The author of seven novels, he has a track record of anticipating what's next and his latest book, Critical Mass, which I love, uh, due out uh, from Dutton, January 31st, 2023. Now, I've already read it and I can't wait to listen to it. Uh, so I've already got the audible book down there too. So oh, that's I, I great. Love it. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, brings, uh, Critical Mass brings readers on a daring journey to the new frontier of private space exploration. The second book in the Delta V series, Critical Mass, realistically, and I, I totally agree with that, realistically portrays humanity's urgent transition from an earthbound to a spacefaring civilization and brings home why that's critical to our future. Dan, Daniel Suarez, the amazing author. Um, ah. I am so blessed to, to have gotten connected with you. Uh, and we have so many fun conversations. I, I, there's so many different places I want to go. And I hope the audience is prepared. One of the things um, we were just talking about our, our mutual friend, uh, Pete Gerritsen, who yeah. we recorded just a little bit ago. He's One great. of the things that this, this entire podcast is meant to do, uh, I, the name is Your Place in Space, right? So the idea is that anyone in the world can find their place in space. Doesn't matter if you're currently uh, a plumber, a fashion designer, doesn't matter. We want to help you find your place in space. Absolutely. And in general, we have four archetypes that we're going after. We want to solve really big problems. And one of them is a, is a, a, a visioneer, uh, that entrepreneur that just has this crazy big vision. The other is an engineer, someone who understands engineering, how to build things. Another is a scientist who understands how to not violate physics. And the fourth one, which I strongly believe in, is a creative. I think it's the four, it's the power of the four of them together that is going to solve these big problems. And you are squarely in the creative side of things. And I am so thrilled to be able and, and so inspired when I read your work. And I've read it multiple times. Like I just said, I'm going to listen to it again as, uh, as soon as it comes out here. Uh, so anything you want to share, anything you want to tell the, the audience about uh, being a creative Moving, I am a space visionary entrepreneur all day long, and you still moved me. So I just, I'm so grateful for that. Well, and that's wonderful. Yeah, I, I will say thank you. That was a very gracious introduction. My gosh, I feel uh, humbled by it actually. But I would say what I see my role in this. You briefly mentioned it, narrative. That is trying to inspire people, as I've been inspired by people in, who are actually doing these things. Uh, it is a, a feedback loop. You know, what is accomplished by scientists and engineers and investors like yourself inspires me. And then I want to try to look a little into the future and try to prototype a future of what might be possible. And more than that, I also want to try to create a narrative so that 
people can really feel something about that that possible future good bad you know that's been a recurring trait throughout all of my fiction what's different i think about these two books so far in this trilogy uh, delta v and critical mass is it's not a cautionary tale it is an aspirational tale and and that's because i think there's just an incredible amount of opportunities there's risks of course but Opportunities not just for business and, and uh, for rescuing our climate, but for also learning how to work better together across the globe, uh, cooperating with each other. It's sort of the overview effect that, that can cause us to do uh, these very challenging things. And, and instead of uh, being in competition with each other, realizing how immense the universe is and that we can cooperate with each other and go explore it. Beautiful. I, I think you nailed it, Dan. I really do. <laughs> I think you you brought together something that everyone can connect to uh, when they read that. Now, your background is in space. Uh, I feel I, I feel like you're a brother from another mother here. I have I have no business being in space, and, and yet here I am. Um, you I have had to correct you just a bit. I have to correct you just a bit. Uh, I did not work in the space industry. I worked in the software industry, although I did work in aerospace and other things uh, in relation to that business. So I, I ran a software consultancy for many years, uh, designing complex systems for very big companies, one of which was a uh, Litton Industries, was a big government contractor. So just clarify. Yeah, yeah. no, well, let's, let's tease that out. Um, because the point is, is that the, the understanding and the vivid imagery that you write in these books is so inspiring to me, yet you're running a software company and, and now you get into space. How, how did that transition happen? Why did it happen? Like, why, why did you decide I'm going to nail the space thing? I'll be very quick as I say this, because I tend to go on about this, but what happened was initially I, I published my first book. It became a New York times bestseller unaccountably. It's kind of a surprise to me. Uh, I was working in the software industry at the time. And the success of that book allowed me access to people so that if I wanted to write a book about something, I could approach uh, experts in various fields. And, you know, this is just the way it goes. They Google me and they say, oh, my gosh, I sure I'll talk to you. And then I would go visit them. And that's sort of been the repeating pattern for my work is I will be concerned or interested in some sort of technological or scientific endeavor, something that I think is going to be important. And over the course of my career, the, the books I've, I've written, I've written on topics like lethal autonomy, that is robotic weapons, uh, genetic editing, unaccountable control through software manipulation, all of these topics. And I've then been able to use my platform to avail myself of experts to help step me through it. So in some ways, what I view I'm doing is meeting with all of these very focused subject matter experts and helping to bring their work out and make it accessible to mainstream readers to help them understand the nuances and, and how these can affect their lives, these new technologies. If you're, if you're going through this path, was it a natural progression to end up in space? I mean, you, you talked about AI, you talked about cyber. I mean, a lot of, lot of pressing things, uh, but did it just naturally come to space? Well, I have to confess that I always had a, an abiding love for all things space. I, I read Cosmos, Carl Sagan's Cosmos, and watched the documentary as, as a young man. Read Gerard K. O'Neill's High Frontier many times. Uh, lots of sci-fi, you know, hard sci-fi as a, as a young man, as a boy. I just absolutely loved it. 
1980, when the space shuttle was going up, I mean, I was all in, I was there. And I think we all thought at the time, you know, around the time of the Apollo missions going into the shuttle missions, that it was starting, that we were going into yeah. space in a big way. And of course, we all know what happened and why it happened. And that's what I think partly those who see the importance of space in humanity's future really feel it and, and don't view it as a distant requirement, something that we need to do now. Um, I think we can see that the, the, there's been a change technologically and also culturally, I think. There's a mindset change. And that's what I wanted to capture in these books. But more than that, I started to become interested in this idea that exactly how would we make that leap? Because we've been having this conversation amongst ourselves for decades now that, well, we're going to be in space. And so we see sci-fi shows, movies, and we read books where that's a, a fait accompli. We have a, a, an expansive uh, celestial civilization already underway and it may be in conflict or it may be in peace, but it has already happened. And I think my concern there is, I don't think that that's a given. I think we have to choose to build it. I think if we're not careful, anything from a, a Kessler syndrome that is you know, blocking us off from going into orbit or conflict or just uh, uh, society starting to unravel, whatever it may be, we do not have an infinite time to make this leap. And if we do make it, it will open up just limitless vistas for us all. So that's why I really wanted to tell this story. I didn't want to leave it to, to chance. I wanted to say, here is one way that this could happen. Here's one narrative where it could happen. And I will, again, commend you on that. It is extremely realistic, both in Delta V and in Critical Mass. This is absolutely a path that could happen. Is it the most probable? Is it the most likely? Irrelevant. Yeah. It's, this is a path that could totally it's one happen. Path. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I have obviously I have my, my personal uh, bias as to the path I want to get there on uh, yeah. and what I, I feel that myself and my friends are, are working on, which I is hope so... you succeed, by the way. I hope you succeed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you called the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, you called most of us out in your acknowledgments uh, that are all working on this this vision that you have. Uh, and well, well you guys inspire me. You, you do inspire me. I mean, you, you yeah. are the people who are doing this in the real world. And, you know, that's a big risk. It's. You know, I feel honored to be able to try to tell these stories. I, I do so uh, honestly. I look at all of the angles that I can, and I try to to tell the story in as gripping and realistic way as possible. Uh, but I want to get people, mainstream readers, to really see why this is relevant, that what you're doing is not an esoteric pursuit. What would you say the goal, if, if you had a number one, number two goal of critical mass, when it lands and somebody gets this, who, who is that person and what do you want them to get out of it? I, I initially would like these books to sort of uh, be a net that sort of captures people's attention and, and collects people who might be interested in space. For example, I've received emails from young people who say that they're, you know, they email me to say, I read Delta V and now I'm going to go study astronautical engineering. And I, that just makes my day. You know, it, this idea that, I get it. I get it. There, there's not just a future in, in space, as you say, but but for me, like I can do this, that there's going to be enormous opportunities, uh, growth, and, and it's going to be a fascinating adventure. That's partly what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to inspire anyone who reads it to think, wow, this is the, the future does not have to be bleak. It's, it's not a drumbeat of doom. 
we can dust ourselves off and go build a future that's worth living in. That's what I want to get across. I love it. Is there, I'm going to say, I love it too many times. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah, going to answer yeah, actually, yeah. Cut, cut out my, I love it. It's uh, yeah. when some speakers say, um, too many times, I'm going to say, I love it too many times with this one. Okay. Uh, well, that's the, more agreeable anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, I'm interested to know from a creative perspective, again, I am inspired and I can't wait to read it again. I can't wait to go into that world um, and, and experience how you laid it out again. And, and see things from, from different angles. I think I read Delta V three different times. Oh, um, that's great. Thank and you. It, it's, always, it's always this uh, this energetic push and boost. And, and again, you know my vision, and most listeners here have already heard, Nebula is providing all of humanity access to deep space and infinite resources. Yeah. Multi-decade, multi-decade plan, many, many companies to, to make that happen. And I'm still inspired by what you write constantly. Oh, that's that's great. It's, if I feel like I'm getting low or disconnected, I'll get I'll get into the book and I'll get back into that feeling of okay, that's the future. Oh, that makes me feel terrific. That does, and and it couldn't make me happier. And let me also be clear though, when when I first heard of, the reason you and I are talking is I was inspired again by what you guys were trying to do. Uh, you know, uh, that's that's a key. It is a feedback. It's a, it's a circular system where creatives. And those who implement, those who actually visioneer and then build these things, it's an iterative process. And I think that that's back for centuries. So uh, we all have a role in it. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited that I feel that change is on the horizon and really positive change. Yeah, amen to that. Um, so, so I take, when I think of creatives, the way that I think about um, from what we're doing in those four archetypes of trying to bring these people together to solve these big problems or lay out a plan with a bunch of different smaller problems that, that these four types of people can get together and, and, uh, and work on. And from that perspective, when I think creative, I think of someone who can help the visioneer, the engineer, the scientist articulate what they're trying to do in a way that makes sense because creatives can do that, right? When you tell the, your point of telling a story, you could lay out the facts, you could lay out all the, the information about all the stuff that you learn in, in interviews. But if you don't put it in the story like that, no one's yeah. really going to remember. Yeah. It. Let's call it poetic license. And, and I can also go a little further. So I've, I've experienced this before I've, I've, I want to say interviewed, but it's more like I've harangued physicists uh, who are friends of mine to say, Hey, would this be possible? So I really, I push it, you know, I, I keep it realistic, but when it comes to technology, I can go just a little over, what is done today. I can take prototypes or things that are theoretically quite possible, and I can then imagine how they might uh, be used or interact with other existing technologies. And if I have a, a superpower, I think that's what it is. It's a lot of my stories take technologies or very near-term future technologies and combine them in unexpected ways. And that always has a really catalyzing effect on society. I think the smartphone is probably the, the best and most obvious example of that. I mean, you have a computer and you have a phone and you combine those two things and suddenly huge, huge change. They both existed for a long time, but it was the combination of the two. And so that is going to happen time and time again when it comes to space. The combination of these existing technologies or near future technologies, you know, creating a step change. And, and it, we're going to have a ringside seat for that in the next few years. Well, well, you, you say near term, near, near term, near future technologies. And again, going back to the, the term realistic, 
You're yeah. not talking about something that could be violating physics. Nothing no, you're talking no, not about is, is, is that I'm talking, you're not talking about warp drives or black holes or any of those things. I mean, these are very uh, fundamentally, uh, foundationally sound Correct. concepts that in most cases, and, and honestly, I, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head, <laughs> they're already being developed in some way, shape or form. These are already in some stage of development. Yeah, certainly in Delta V and critical mass, uh, all of the technologies there are either on the drawing boards. NASA has prototypes. I, I did a great deal of research to find projects that were abandoned. Uh, typically, they were abandoned due for political reasons uh, or timing mm -hmm. reasons. Uh, the underlying technology, extremely sound. Uh, you know, the, the asteroid retrieval mission was a good example in Delta V, how I took technologies that were developed for that. In JPL, they were actually building the beginnings of a prototype. Uh, yeah. I took that out of mothballs, mental mothballs, and, and put it to a different purpose. But, you know, there's so many imaginative ideas. Look at Critical Mass, uh, Gerard K. O'Neill's Mass Driver. All of these ideas, they were technologically possible in the 1970s. Yep. So it's a mindset. And that's the other thing I really want to explore in these stories is the character's mindset of the explorer, because that is what we're what we're addressing here is a new frontier. And that sounds cliche, but space really is the frontier. And we need the explorer mentality to go and explore it. I'm, I'm often amazed when I see hundreds of people every year mounting expeditions to climb Mount Everest. And invariably, several of them, not every year, but several of them die. People die base jumping and cave diving. All of these pursuits, I think these people who, who are driven to do these very risky behaviors, I think they're part of us. I think they're part of our culture, every culture in society. They're the ones who, who pathfind and trailblaze and chart oceans. And that's what we need for space. We need this type of, of, of spirit of exploration and, and to have all those people going out. And I think risk is in their nature. And I think we need to embrace that. We need to understand that we need to do this. It's quite urgent. We need to encourage it and yes. inspire it. I couldn't agree. I, I am inspired that you're getting emails um, from people that are, are taking up roles in this field because of what they read and inspired. Really? That is it thrills a testament to your capability. Well, uh, I'm, I'm appreciative. Let's put it that way. And I'm going gonna, I'm yeah. gonna to try to keep doing it because yeah. I know how I was inspired by writers. Uh, you know, Carl Sagan was just one of the great science communicators, but just about every sci-fi writer in, in, that existed inspired me in many ways. So, so if you're if, if you're looking if you're taking a step back, um, and and again, our audience, what we're we're really shooting for are those. You even said it yourself. You 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 uh, uh, talk to your physicist friends and and make sure that things are within the realm of possible. I 100% I agree. There needs to be this connection between these different types of people to solve these big problems. If you're, if, if there's anyone out there that's listening now that that is a creative, what would you what would you say to encourage them, or, or is there any advice you have for them to get started specifically in supporting space? Is there anything that I don't know what type of creative they are, but is there anything from your perspective that would be an encouragement or, or a pathway that that could be available to them? Yeah, actually, I would say go to space conferences. You may not think that it's it's relevant to you. And I would say to any artist, even a visual artist, somebody who paints images, space is relevant to everybody right now. We're going to need all skill sets. It's, it's going to be, say, 
like a golden age possibility, but it is this idea of a new industrial age. <clears throat> Pardon me. And that's going to require every single skill set. And, and finding your place in that is, is going to be an adventure. You're also going to meet so many interesting people. What I've found is very often really expert scientists have, who have a great laser focused discipline, they don't often talk across their disciplines. They're very often speaking to people in their profession, their exact profession. This is very common. And one of the things an, an artist, a, a creative can do is to make connections. So I've done this before where I've spoken to scientists and say, you know, this other person is doing this work. And, and what I was thinking, and that will cause all sorts of, well, and there's cross fertilization where they start to think and talk, oh, well, that's interesting. I wasn't aware of that. Uh, so I don't want to say it's siloing, but in some ways it is. They, they work with great expertise within these silos and we need much more crosstalk. And I think creatives can help that helping to bridge those gaps between disciplines uh, due to their extroversion or for whatever reason, uh, writing stories about it, uh, doing video. Couldn't agree more. I, we definitely have an echo chamber problem and it's not even, um, my perspective, it's not even inside of a, just, just inside of like say NASA with somebody working on this particular communication yeah. technology, it's within industry. So, sure. so you often don't have aerospace talking to, deeply talking to transportation. Uh, yeah. or, or other opportunities where they're not, they're not necessarily connecting. And, and I love the advice yeah. uh, of going to a conference. I went to my first space conference and that's where I met Lieutenant Colonel P. Carrotson. at my yeah. first space conference. Yeah. I said some crazy stuff and he's like, yeah. <laughs> I want to talk to that guy. He's already said <laughs> you and I, we met at a virtual, it was during the yeah. pandemic, yeah. but we met yeah. at a space conference and I would sit and listen. I, I feel like, uh, you know, the, the scribe sitting on the edge, listening to the adults talk about, about big stuff. But I would then go away and endeavor. I would highlight things like, I need to know what this term is. I need to know what that is. Or I would go, I, I would contact people offline and say, Hey, can I ask you some questions? Very often they, they were extremely cooperative and would tell me and help me tell an accurate story, which, which yeah. is, uh, that's the thing I, that I think is so rewarding for an artist is to be able to work with people who are building this future. I want to, I want to touch on a topic, um, as we, as we're getting close to the end of the, the close of the first segment here, but the only thing that survived from an ancient civilization up until recent civilization was a story. It was yeah. the myths. Yeah. And now I find that to be insanely powerful. If we're thinking about, None of our technology survived. None of our capabilities survived. None of the cities survived. None of the transportation, nothing survived except for the story. And that myth is what we ended up being able to build megalithic structures and farming and, and herding and all that stuff. But it was a creative that somehow got that story across. I mean, yeah. it may not have even been the same language, right? No. But that's the power to me. That is the ultimate power of creative. Like that's what lasted. That's what lasts. That's fascinating. And, and I often think of it this is the software guy in me. I often think of uh, the, the beliefs and what motivates us, the stories we tell ourselves, that's like the firmware of us. And we pass it down from generation to generation, what motivates us and drives us. And in story, there are certain recurring archetypes, things that, uh, that are relevant, that resonate no matter the culture or the time. And I think that's part of that firmware you're talking about. And, and 
by saying firmware, I make it sound so inelegant, but it really is a beautiful thing that we pass down, you know, these instincts, these drives to do these things. And so the stories we tell ourselves can be either nihilistic or hopeful, that can be aspirational, pessimistic. So we sort of have to be careful the, the firmware we load into our minds, you know, what we think. There's being Pollyanna-ish, of course, but I, I think the bigger risk right now is to be too doom laden, too, too focused on, well, we can't stop this or we can't do that. There, I, I meet so many people who are doing amazing things in space and in tech, uh, in science, that we can definitely solve our problems, you know, the challenges ahead of humanity. And I often think that there were periods in history where things looked very dark. And then, for example, the industrial age started. You know, I mean, a lot of people look at that and say, oh, industrial age is so depressing. And yet lifespans doubled. You know, that's not a minor thing. People used to die from, you know, acne. You know, we achieved so many things to increase both the length and the quality of life around the world. Uh, I think we could go even better. So so that's that's sort of the story that I'm interested in telling right now. I love it. Um, Dan, so there's there are um, asteroid planet killer conversation I want to have with you more oh, yeah. about ancient civilization conversation I want to have with you okay. um, and definitely more of I mean you talked about in, in critical mass you talked about synthetic uh, biology yep. that's uh, to cure some cancer a lot of fun things I want to talk about okay um, but we talked about that in, in the uh, on the other segment for the nebula insiders uh, Daniel I want to thank you so much for being here uh, with us today and if anyone wants to reach out to you what is the best way for them to get in contact with you to get this book please get this book if you're oh. a, a, a space enthusiast you have to get this book Delta V and critical mass uh, coming out here uh, right as we launch this this podcast well thank you so much for having me I will say you could go to daniel suarez.com to learn information about me and my books and also I am going to be touring uh, for this book. So I'm going to be at Romans in Pasadena on, I'm, I'm looking at the map here, February 1st, A Mysterious Galaxy down in San Diego, February 6th, uh, Books Inc. in Palo Alto on February 8th, and Poison Pen in Phoenix on February 17th, and finally, University Bookstore up in Seattle on February 22nd. And I, I always love to meet my readers. So if you can come out and see me, I would love to see you. Wonderful. Thank you, Dan. My pleasure.